The following message is from the Church at Greer Station. For more information, visit tcgreerstation.com. So when was the last time that you learned something? When was the last time you learned something? Maybe it was today, maybe it was this past week. Maybe it's been a few years since you, uh, since you learned anything new. Uh, in the, over the past couple of weeks, um, mine and Casey's keys have had uh, low batteries. So I've had low batteries in all four of our keys. So we both have a key to both of our cars. The, the batteries have been low. Um, and so I had to figure out uh, a way to replace it. Um, there wasn't, you know, the possibility with my car, I think this is my key, yeah, this is my key, you can, you can turn the door with the key, you can open the door, then you can crank the car, and it all works out. But Casey's car has that, that push button where it's like, I don't even know if a key would work in this car, if I can even put a key uh, in, the, in the actual car. So what I had to do is I had to find a YouTube video for each of our keys, and I had to take the keys apart, and I was just praying that I didn't break them and then have to, you know, Buy new keys for hundreds of dollars. I watched the videos. I figured out the battery that was needed. I made the, the, the order on, on Amazon. I purchased four batteries, and then I replaced it. And I felt so good. I don't, I don't know about you guys. I'm not, there's, there's a lot of guys, a lot of women in this room that are very good at a lot of different things. I don't feel like I'm very good at a lot of things, especially trying to fix something or replace a battery or build something. That's just, that's not my expertise. So I felt... I felt happy. I felt, felt good that I had learned something. But I had to learn it from someone else. I had to learn it from, from a YouTube video. We live in a world of needing to constantly learn, adapt, and grow. And we can't do that on our own. We need people to teach us how to do things. Now, replacing a key fob battery, that's great to learn on YouTube. But there's a lot of things that we need to learn in person with people. So when was the last time you learned something? How exactly did that happen? And maybe more specifically for us tonight, when was the last time you grew in a certain area of your life? So maybe something that's not really measurable, not something necessarily physical, but spiritually, emotionally. When was the last time you matured? You learned how to be more patient or kind or loving or self-controlled or less jealous or angry? Or when was the last time you just learned something about God that you didn't know? Do you know everything there is to know about following Jesus? Is your heart still prone to go wayward and to pursue fleshly desires? Do you worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That is, that is one of the, the great commandments that we're given. And yet, I think I can argue that we, we fail at that each and every day. You are still needing to learn and grow. We need help following the crucified king. So this reveals our need for discipleship. Now last week we concluded a a four-year study of Matthew. And the last series that we did was Matthew uh, 26 through 28. We called it the crucified king. When Jesus comes to the pinnacle of what he has come to do. He's given his life for us. And after all we've learned about Jesus, all that we have seen him do and teach, the question that Trevor posed to us is what now? 
Trevor last week said that we are commissioned by the risen and reigning Jesus of Nazareth to go be and make disciples. So what now? We go. We fulfill the great commission that Merritt just read. We as a church have summarized the great commission as making Jesus known. TCGS exists to make Jesus known from Greer to the ends of the earth. That's our vision. That's our statement that we're running after. Hopefully you hear that from the stage. You hear it in your community groups. We're talking about wanting to make Jesus known. That is our governing task as a church. Now, our question for the next three weeks is how does obedience to the Great Commission work itself out at TCGS? How can we go about making Jesus known? We're going to see that all we need to be, that we all need to be ushering people, all people, including ourselves, towards Jesus and maturity in Christ. Trevor helpfully shared that he had, he had heard, I think it was from a, a pastor, an author, that Making Jesus known, uh, discipleship, begins when I first meet you. We're always trying to point every person that we meet towards Jesus. If I meet you and you're a believer, I'm trying to prod you closer towards Jesus and push you towards maturity. If you're an unbeliever, if you don't believe in Jesus, I'm trying to prod you closer to Jesus and push you towards maturity in him. So we think there are three helpful ways to summarize fulfilling the Great Commission and making Jesus known, and that's going to be kind of the central focus of our next three weeks. The first one is discipleship. That's what we're going to, we're going to kind of hit on and, and talk about today. Helping people who, are already, who already know Jesus grow closer to him. The second one is evangelism, where we're calling people who don't follow Jesus, who don't know Jesus, to follow him to be disciples. And then the third one is, is missions, really the missionary call, which is, in many ways, to fulfill the first two, discipleship and evangelism, just somewhere else. And we're going to talk about that here in, in, in two weeks. Now, I recognize there is tons of overlap in these three, but we wanted to work with these three categories to kind of prod in our minds things that we need to be aware of, things that we need to be pursuing, and I think we're going to see them in, in the scriptures. It's helpful to distinguish these three. In many ways, discipleship and evangelism may be two sides of the same coin, but it's helpful to talk about both of them so that we see what we need to be investing our lives in as we make Jesus known to each other. So tonight, our focus is discipleship. So the question that we want to start off with is, what is discipleship? We're going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. I'm going to be in three of Paul's letters. So uh, all of Paul's letters kind of come after the four main gospels and then Acts, Colossians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, girls eat popcorn. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. I'm sure you got some great acronym. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, girls eat popcorn. So that's the way I remember it. Hopefully that's helpful to to you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. 
of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Now I want to define discipleship as this. Discipleship is the formal and informal process by which followers Again, uh, we defined disciple last week as a follower, as an apprentice, as someone who's learning from someone else. By which followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, help each other be presented mature in Christ. Verse 28 in Colossians 1, by warning and teaching one another. So there's, there's formality to discipleship. Worship gathering, first and foremost, is an aspect of our discipleship. Now, it's not necessarily sufficient just to show up and be here and that's it. But I could argue it's the most important. We worship God here together, but we also grow. Think about things like community groups showing up every Wednesday night to 509 Henderson Circle and talking about the scriptures and confessing sin and praying together. That's a formal aspect of our discipleship. Meetings at Panera, Starbucks, you know, every week, every other week, once per month to study the Bible, to talk through a book or address specific areas of needed growth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide at the, the end of this on, on that back table on your way out. I've got some sheets that's just going to be a one-page resource um, that are examples of things that I have done um, that have been helpful uh, suggestions to me over time in thinking about formal discipleship. So as you have more questions about that, I'm going to put that sheet in the back, and you're, you're more than welcome to grab one on your way out. Informal aspects to discipleship. Their friendships develop as we spend time together and invest in each other. If you want to be invested in, or if you want to invest in someone else, get in someone's life. Fold clothes, run errands, put babies to bed, do yard work, build something, exercise, all the while, discuss scripture, evangelism, parenting, dating, sexual immorality, anything that's related to walking with Jesus. Be intentional to help each other be presented mature in Christ. Exhort and teach one another over board games and meals. Now, nothing is easy about investing your lives in others. It's messy, it takes time, and then obviously we're dealing with people, which we all know we're all pretty complicated. Verse 24 in Colossians 1, Paul is rejoicing at the sufferings, the life trials he is experiencing because he knows it is for his good, it is for his discipleship, it is for his maturity, and is for the church's good. Christ's suffering alone has secured our salvation. But now Paul suffers, he pours out his life, he toils, verse 29, he struggles with everything he has. Why? For the sake of of the church for the sake of others being presented mature in Christ. Verse 28. And note that that's kind of the essence of, of my definition of discipleship is, is 
encapsulated by verse 28. Discipleship in many ways is seeing anyone and everyone mature in Christ, making Jesus known to everyone we come in contact with, the unbeliever across the street, the unbeliever in India, the believer we see across the room at church each week. But it's helpful to think about our responsibility towards believers, towards one another, towards us as a church. And so we're more formally calling that discipleship tonight. Verses 25 through 27 in Colossians 1, Paul is given the responsibility by God to be a minister of the church, to make the word of God known, to explain the truth of the gospel. And so you might, you might argue and say, this is great, Aaron. Discipleship is important. Maturity in Christ is good. But don't we see here that it's just for ministers? Isn't that your job? Aren't you paid to do this? And yes, it is the call of the pastors, the call of the staff to help all of us mature in Christ. But we see Paul talking about the body of Christ in Colossians 1. We also see him using plural language in verse 28. And then I want us to see, uh, I want us to look at two other passages that I think shows this is the responsibility of all of us. So we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. So you should just turn back. Maybe a few pages past Philippians and then Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave, this is Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now remember, discipleship is the formal and informal process by which followers of Jesus help each other be presented mature in Christ by warning and teaching one another. Now all of these key church leaders that Paul lists out in verse 11. They've been given to the church for a reason. Why is that? Verse 12 makes it clear. To equip the saints, to equip holy people, to equip the church, you guys, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. These leaders have been given to help all of us mature in Christ. So yes, I play a key role in your discipleship as a pastor. And pastors definitely set the pace. But this passage is clear. You are to carry out the ministry of making Jesus known. Of making disciples. Discipleship, evangelism, missions. It is your responsibility. You are the ones to help others grow up into the faith and grow in knowledge of Jesus. Verse 13 in Ephesians 4. It's very much like Colossians 1.28. We are to help others mature into manhood and womanhood. Verse 14. I'm here to equip. It's the same for the other pastors. We're here to help equip us to not be children. 
not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, ideology, popular book that's come out, to not be deceived by every social media post we see. Humans are crafty in deceit. And then verse 15, how do we help each other mature? Paul makes clear that we are to speak the truth in love. And that is going to help us grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Love is not generic acceptance or tolerance. Love is others showing us our sin and exhorting us to holiness based on what the scripture has to say. Love is pointing others to Jesus and helping them mature in Christ. Love is a commitment to another's person to another person's good towards their maturity in Christ. And then verse 16, this is what the body is supposed to do, to love each other, and that is what's best for the body, for the church. Paul clearly has in mind the body carrying out the ministry. You are not here to consume. You are, not, you are here to invest and disciple. You are here to ask the hard questions and to be asked the hard questions. You are to pour into others. The, the resource, the sheet of paper that I'm going to have in the back at the end, it has 30 questions on it. And a lot of them are, are very hard questions that I've used in certain discipleship relationships. Now, I'm not saying go ask all 30 of these to, to someone that is going to disciple you or you want to disciple, but choose five or six that you're going to ask each other regularly. One of my favorites that is on there is, what question do you not want me to ask you? It's very probing. It's going to go straight to the heart. What do I not want to be asked about? It reveals our sin. It reveals what we love. The last passage I want to read is 2 Timothy. So we're going to turn to the right, maybe three or four, five books, to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. comes after 1 Timothy and after Thessalonians. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Paul is here speaking to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, yes, Timothy is an important leader in the church. And Paul has a very unique relationship with Timothy. But I think we see here that we entrust to others what we have been taught. It requires that we are being taught. Timothy has to be taught something. He has to be learning and growing. And then that way he is able to go and teach others, to entrust to others. Like a good soldier focused on his mission, we are simple people with a single-minded focus upon Jesus. We, we need you deeply invested in the body. Your investment will lead to your own growth and to the growth of others. We reap what we sow, much as a hardworking farmer would do. Paul desires a culture of investment. Timothy is supposed to learn and then go and trust others who are going to teach others. Those people are then going to go teach 
more people. My job, the pastor's job, is to equip you with the word, provide knowledge and insight, push you to holiness, and resource you. But your job is to invest, to disciple others, to be discipled. We all need to grow, every single one of us, to build up the body, to help others mature, to be faithful, to learn, to grow, to become like Christ, and to entrust to others. Titus chapter 2, older men teaching younger men, older women teaching younger women. I think this is a helpful picture that in many ways, discipleship relationships, especially as they get closer, as we're asking more open and honest conversations, it's helpful for women to disciple women and men to disciple men. Not that we don't play a part in each other's um, growth across genders, but especially as we get more vulnerable and open. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 talks about imitate me as I imitate Christ. We want to live a life worthy of imitation. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. One of uh, a guy in our church texted me about pouring into another, uh, another person, and he talked about being around him makes me want to run hard after Jesus myself. Otherwise, how could I lead him well? When we pour into others, when we disciple others, it is for our good because we also need to be growing, learning, maturing in Christ. We need to read the Bible together. We need to confess sin. We need to be honest about our emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial situations and struggles with each other so that we can be encouraged and pushed to think biblically and rightly. We need to speak the truth in love. So invest your life in others. In your kids, your kids are a vital part of this. In this body, invest your life. In me, in my wife, in my kids, I need you to help me be presented mature in Christ. So what do I do now? Again, kind of the same question that Trevor asked last week. What now? One book I want to commend to you is this very tiny little book. It's through Nine Marks, it's part of their church question series. They purposefully have made these books very short. I think it's 50 pages, but it's, it's obviously not very big. How can I find someone to disciple me? I have 11 of these copies uh, back there with my stuff. And I would love for you, if you ha- have more questions about discipleship, if you want to think about how can I find someone to disciple me, how can I invest in someone else, please come see me. I would love to give these books to you. If you really want to grow in this area, if you want to grow in discipleship, please come see me. Grab one of these books. Some of these things that I'm going to say come straight out of this uh, book and some of the stuff I've even set up to this point. So what do I do now? First, know Jesus. Know Jesus. How can we make Jesus known if we don't know Jesus? Love Jesus. Walk with the Spirit. Follow Jesus above all else. Trust in his way, his teaching, his instruction, his commandments, his teaching about who he is as our Lord and as our Savior. Second, pray. Pray to find someone to disciple you. Pray for the Lord to lead you to find someone to disciple, to pour your life into. Pray to be humble to grow. All of us in this room, I feel very sure, need to grow and could benefit from others pouring in to us. So pray 
that you would be humble to grow. Whether you think of yourself more as kind of the lead discipler or you're kind of being the, the one being discipled, either way, pray to be humble to grow. We all have something to learn from each other. Third, join a church. Now, obviously, many of us in here are, are members of this body by God's grace and kindness. We're covenanted together to encourage one another, to push each other. We're going to have the joy next week to vote on uh, three new members at our members meeting. But recognize that no church is perfect. But gather regularly with the church. Make it a part of your calendar. 85%, 90% of the gatherings of the body, I'm going to be there. Pursue relationships with church members. Get involved. You must be around in order to experience discipleship. And from there, you'll be able to watch people's faith and see who can disciple you. Find someone who's wise in the word, who's aiming to be faithful more than they're aiming to be famous. Someone who's evangelistic. I just encourage you to, to join the church, invest in the church. Fourth, initiate. And kind of this is both initiating up and, and down. Ask someone to disciple you. If you kind of see someone who's, who's kind of in front of you, maybe more mature than you, look up to them, ask them to disciple you, pursue them. That's what uh, Casey and me have, have had to do. We're, we're parenting two uh, young children and we're trying to learn the ways of doing that and we have a long, long ways to go. And then I obviously know of traditional stereotypes of pastors' children's uh, so I want to be very uh, careful to, of how I disciple them, pour into them, push them towards Jesus. So Casey and I, um, maybe a month or two ago, uh, approached a, an area pastor that um, many of us in this room would even know and, and look up to. And we asked him if, if he and his wife would spend time with us about once every six months to kind of pour into us as parents and as ones who are invested in the church. I need help. I need to be discipled. So ask, some, ask someone to disciple you. And then ask to disciple someone. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but if you are living a life that's worthy of imitation, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, pour into someone. And within this, be flexible. It may not be every week. It may be once a month. It may be I wanted to make a reasonable call to this other pastor, so I just asked once every six months. Let's have dinner. Let's kind of ask a bunch of questions about how Casey and I are doing in our marriage and in our parenting and then also, you know, thinking about different seasons of life. I know if, if you wanted to have a discipleship relationship with my wife, it may mean you, that you need to run errands, change diapers, fold laundry, entertain kids, hang out late at night. We have to be flexible to be discipled by the people we want to be discipled by. Do whatever it takes to get around them. And then be specific. Make a specific request of what you want to do. Study the Gospel of John for the next six months and try to grow in evangelism, whatever it is, and be persistent. So initiate. Fifth, invest your entire life. Invest your entire life. I, I, I was just going to write invest because that kind of goes with the other ones that I put up there, but I wanted to put your entire life because the church is, is what Christ has given his life for. And we are to invest our entire lives, buy in, if not here, somewhere. You reap what you sow, 2 Timothy 2. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. We need the encouragement of other believers. 
We need to sit under the teaching of the word. We need the the authority of the elders to speak into our lives. We need the encouragement of other believers to push us towards Jesus. So invest your entire life. And then finally, sixth, exhort one another. Now this is challenging. I know some of us in this room, we, we shy away from conflict at all cost, or many of us in this room, we, we probably think very highly of ourselves. I know many times I struggle when somebody's going to exhort me or challenge me on something. But Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin deceives. Sin blinds us. Let others help you point it out and turn from it. If you are not walking with Jesus in this room, your sin is blinding you. Your sin is, is keeping you from the one who is the Lord and Savior. It's keeping you from the God who created and formed you in your mother's womb. I pray that you would see that Jesus is greater. That he offers grace. And yes, we want to turn from sin. We want to grow. We want to be less angry. We want to be more patient. But the Christian walk is not about what we do It's not about earning God's love, but we do need each other. So for all of us, turn to Jesus, delight in Jesus, and be encouraged by the exhortation of brothers and sisters around you. Grow, desire to see fruit in your life. Fruit is such a um, beautiful picture throughout uh, the Bible that we are to see fruit in our lives. We're, we're to see growth. We're to see our lives change. Now, maybe that's not day by day, even week by week, but hopefully as we look back over ourselves six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years, we see growth. Exhort one another to love other disciples of Jesus, to love the difficult ones. How many of us in this room are a little bit difficult? It's probably not, oh, Trevor raised his hand. Trevor, Trevor's a little bit difficult. It's probably all of us in some way. Probably all of us are difficult. And yet we are called by God, called by Jesus, called by the scriptures to love each other and to love the church and to invest in one another. So we need the exhortation of other brothers and sisters. And hopefully that leads us to evangelism. And that's going to be our focus next week, to making Jesus known outside of these walls, maybe in our homes, maybe in our workplaces, maybe with our neighbors, maybe with our family. All of this is so that we may know the Lord Jesus and his impact on our life. His life, death, resurrection, and ascension changes everything. We've studied Matthew 1 through 28, took us four and a half years And the good news that fills Matthew changes everything. It changes who we are. So I would encourage you, reach out to to me, reach out to someone that you know, reach out to your community group leader with questions. 
I would love if you would come talk to me right after this. You can talk. We can talk during the next song. We can talk after the service. Let's set up a meeting this week, next week to, to have coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I set up coffee meetings and drink water. Um, but it's fine. We can set up a coffee meeting. doesn't matter to me. Pick up the resource in the back, the, the sheet of paper that I, that I have. Um, come grab this book for me if you're, if you're interested. It is, um, even if you're not a super fast reader, I think it'll take you 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and also if you read, if you read a book, uh, I know my tendency sometimes is to want to keep the book looking very nice and crisp and clean. Almost tear the book up. I have folded pages. I have bent pages. I have things circled. I have things underlined because I want it to soak into me so that then I can soak into you guys. Discipleship is vital. We need each other. We need each other to, be, uh, to grow in our love for Jesus. I need you to invest in me and I know I need to invest in you. And granted, I would love to spend time each and every week Take an hour to spend time with all 163 members. I was trying to think. I think there's only 168 hours in a week, so I'd have five hours left um, to, to, to do whatever, to sleep. Um, that, that's not going to be possible for me and the other pastors. But it is possible for our body to disciple each other, to invest in one another through the worship gathering, through community group, through folding laundry, through figuring out parenting, through having meals together, through playing disc golf, whatever it is, invest in each other and talk about things that matter and grow together. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you grateful that you have given us the scriptures so that we may know what is true. Lord, but it is hard to always know what is true. Our scriptures, they're long, they're in depth. You've given us your word. And yet, Lord, we struggle to know it and to understand it. But that is the beauty of that we have each other, to disciple one another, to sow the seed of the scriptures into one another. Starting from Genesis 1, going to the end of Revelation, we want to point each other towards who you are the God of all majesty, the, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who, who knitted us together, who shaped us. Father, help us to know you. Help us to want to pour our lives out into each other. And Lord, even if we think ourselves not capable, even if we think ourselves barely mature, that we're still drinking the milk of the scriptures. Lord, I pray that we would want to be discipled, that we would find someone and we would make requests and that those people would be available or those people would help us find other people that could pour into us. Lord, we need to know the scriptures. We need the spirit to work in us. Lord, may the word have a deep effect on our hearts. Lord, I pray that our church would just have a culture of discipleship, of pouring into one another, of helping each other as we wrestle with, with work and parenting and, and marriage and just walking in life, job loss, whatever we're wrestling through. 
Lord, we need the encouragement of your word and we need the encouragement of brothers and sisters around us. We need young, we need old, we need single, we need married with no kids, we need married with tons of kids, we need empty nesters, we need each other to invest in one another because the church is is the one that you have called out to be ministers of reconciliation, to be the ones who bring about redemption in this world. And Lord, we are far from perfect. We are sinful to our very core, but by the grace of God, the spirit indwells us and helps us grow. So Lord, I pray that you would prompt men and women in here tonight. If they don't know you, I pray that they would start to ask questions about who this Jesus is. Who is this Jesus worthy to be followed with all of our lives? And I pray there be men and women in this room who are eager and excited to invest in that person's life, to spend time week after week reading the Bible, to learning about more of Jesus, learning about more of you, seeing the Spirit work. And Lord, for those of us in this room who are believers, I pray we would be humble, that we know that we, would, we need to grow. And we have a long way to go. So let us help each other invest and see us pointed towards Jesus and help us to be presented mature in Christ. We love you.